0: So, so Larry, Larry Comer grabbed me out front before church. He said, all right, today's the day I'm jealous. I said, you're jealous. He goes, man, I'm jealous of you on days like this. They go around, pray for babies, hug the babies, kiss the babies. He said, now that other pastor stuff, you can have all that. <laughs> I'm jealous about that part. Uh, hey, there's some balloons out there. And Hayden, our professional photographer, is with us as you've seen him moving around. We like to capture these moments. And so, as a family, if you'd like, you're welcome to, uh, at the end of the day, step outside. He'll be out there in the in the cafe area where the, the food was this morning. And he can take some pictures of you, get those to you. We like to capture those. So, uh, as families, with the babies or not, if you're just like, hey, Melinda and I want a picture, we may just go up and, and do it. So, please avail yourself of that for sure. Uh, today, I want to invite you to... Join me in doing something. Like we've already been doing some things here together. I've invited you, Mindy invited you, Melinda's invited us. Like we've invited you to do some things, but from here moving forward, here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite you to help me stack the deck. I wanna stack the deck, that's what I wanna do. And I want you to help me do that. Earlier you saw a pic of a grandpa and a grandson. Eli, fill it up there for me, buddy. You saw Mark and Easton. And we captured that shot of grandpa with his hand up, and Easton, grandbaby, with his hand up. That is pretty precious right there. When I was traveling around quite a bit, Emma was a toddler. She was under two, so she got to travel for free. And whenever I'd go all around the country, I'd probably preach 40, 50 times a, week, a year somewhere. Melinda could go, Sis would go, Chip hadn't showed up yet, so it was just the three of us. And what we would do is whenever I'm preaching, and then it was a, a Pentecostal culture that had a lot of altar time, big-time altar time at the end, you know, and even in the middle, but mostly at the end. And so Emma might be with us, but she might go to the nursery for a bit, but as soon As I was done preaching and people came for prayer, I was usually speaking, so I didn't get to run out there. But Melinda would head out to wherever the nursery was, get Emma, and bring her back in. And she would be with one of us. And I've held her a long time, right here, and praying for people. And I would be speaking to them and praying and walking through the room. And one time, I was down front. I remember this I was down front, and I'm praying for somebody. And then I pause and I'm just trying to take in the room, some spiritual direction, like where maybe to go next. And as I'm I'm looking over here, I glance over and Emma's here and someone's standing right there and she's got her hand on their head, man. She's like giving it to them, you know? (laughs) Love it. Thank you, Eli. Love that. Love the whole idea of modeling and then being around and being in here. That sweet baby that reached out and prayed for folks, grew up. And in those subsequent 18 years, well, she's lied to us. Uh, There's a thing where you're fully the manager of their life and then you try to be hired on as a consultant and somewhere at age 14 they fire you. (laughs) That happened the fall of her freshman year of high school We were literally sitting around the dinner table, and I said, okay, it has become very clear that you have fired us as the manager of your life, so how would you like to proceed? We have been hired occasionally as consultants. We're in a little good spot right now, and she has had her fair share of OMG, Emma, moments. That sweet baby. This past month of January, she'd send us a picture in the morning. It was 7 o'clock our time, 6 o'clock in Alabama, where she's going to college. And she'd send us a, a blurry-eyed picture of her at 6, heading to 21 days of prayer and 21 days of fasting with her student body. There are highs, and there are lows, and there are come and goes, right, in the whole thing. She's faced many trials, many struggles but she serves and there are moments where the foundation, moments now where the foundation of those moments are still alive and don't ever kid yourself, they're still alive. I don't think less of her in any of those moments. I love her because I'm her papa. I tell her I love her because she exists and I mean it. And if my phone was up here right now and it came up and it said, Emma, you know I'd say, excuse me one second, Arnett, could you play something? I'm going to take that call. And if she says, Dad, I need you here, somebody else is finishing this sermon. You all know that. Yeah. In the highs and lows of all of it her serving, her giving, her struggle, her failure, basically, the moments of all of it, God is there, God is present. You're probably familiar with this. On a baby dedication, I'm going, to put some, I'm going to put some money on the table and say this is the most used verse in the history of the church for baby dedications. Ready? Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I am sure... That is used more often than any other verse in the Bible. What I am also probably sure about is what I'm about to tell you may not be what's said when they throw the verse up there. So Proverbs, you can leave it up there, Eli, Proverbs is a book of probabilities, it is not a book of promises. When you read the Proverbs, it's not a book of promises. It's not a book of absolutes. It's a book of probabilities. It's practical skills for living well in God's world. If you do this, then it's very likely that this will occur. That's how it's set up. We'd love to read that as an absolute, like some absolute formula, but it's not. The Proverbs are about wisdom. They're not law. I'll give you an example. And it's not up on the screen. I'll just read it to you. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord adds length to life. The years of the wicked are cut short. Well, that's not true. Maybe sometimes. The years of the wicked, I mean, it affects them when you're wicked and what you reap and consequences of sin and all that. But there are a lot of rugged characters that live longer than good folk, right? People trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's just not true. So you have to do business with that. You have to look at that. You can't just whoosh, act like it's not there. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That is a probability. It is something that, but here's the deal, it's something that we need to do even more so because it is about behavior. Since it's not a given, since it's not some absolute formula, then we know that we need to be even more intentional in our investment. That doesn't make it less. That doesn't make it less that it's a probability. That doesn't make it less that when you do this, this usually happens. When you put money away out of your check and you've done that every day since you started working at 16 and you save and you put it away, then you should find yourself in a good spot when you were 65. Probably true. Except years ago, my best friend's dad, he was an ophthalmologist for the Los Angeles Dodgers, had a wonderful uh, eye doctor practice on Long Island and lost... 9-11 lost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in that whole thing, right? Sometimes these other things happen. These are probabilities, but that doesn't make them less. So I don't want you to walk away from here today thinking that this makes it less important. The very fact that I'm saying this makes it more important for us to ensure that we stack the deck, that we get as close and around and as intentional and as multifaceted, focused as possible. People come to the next step, they find recovery. I read a statistic the other day that said more people find recovery outside of a recovery service on their own. I didn't do the research, but I read it. I'm like, huh, maybe, maybe that's true. That doesn't mean people don't need the help They don't need the specified help if it is true. And it doesn't mean that next step is the silver bullet, does it? It's not. Now, we say connection with a community is important. Connection with God is important. They're both important. If you do both of them, your percentages really go up right the connection around family the connection of what we have here the acceptance and belonging that can come from this room or a recovery cafe or having a one on one with somebody or being in a bike club all of those things together i did research about 20 years ago i was a youth pastor and i had done some national work as a youth pastor And so I wasn't doing it anymore, but I'd done it previously, and so I had those connections. And so I asked these guys. I was in graduate school, as I mentioned earlier, and I wanted to do some research on students and church. And so I don't know. I I can't remember. Maybe 2,000, 2,500 students and questionnaires and surveys, and I got all these back and and put them all in uh, and, and checked the data, saw the data. So I did all this research, and it showed that kids attend church pretty solidly, Till they're 16, and then it drops. Significantly Drop a significant drop. And then it goes steady again for a little bit, and guess what age it drops again? 18, and it stays low. Any guesses? 16, very often, you get a car, you have some real freedom and flexibility, and you make bad choices, right? You're doing something else, and other things draw you away. Interesting, I don't get a single amen in this room. That's very interesting about that right there. Like, we all did that kind of stuff, right? At 16, you get more freedom, and you wander. At 18, maybe you're at college, maybe you get a job, move out of the house, drops even more. You know what we're saying about those? You know what those statistics tell us? They show us what's in here. And maybe it's the ambivalence of I want both things, but what's in here and what's winning? But. I have an especially powerful strategy to address that reality. We have family Sundays here. We have family Sundays, second Sunday. Every second Sunday of the month, and we've done it for years and years, all of our kids are up here. I just gave them an opportunity to go to class, not on that Sunday. They're all up here. And if anybody thinks that's just to give our teachers a break, that's not it at all. That might be a sidebar or something that's helpful for them. That's not it at all. I want our kids in this space. They may not even be able to understand. I don't think that my message is stirring them. Let's ask Charlie after church what she thought, right? I don't think it's like one of the, gripping, (laughs) gripping word today. You know what I do want? I want them to feel it. I want them to be in the space where the presence of God is moving and you feel it. Because should that train up a child thing go the wrong way and they wander from the Lord, I want them to be able to walk into a space, and maybe this is just my own testimony, but I want them to be able to walk into a space When God draws them and tugs at them, and hasn't God done that for so many of us? We've wandered particular places, and then we walk into some kind of space, or you connect with some kind of person, and all of a sudden, you're like, I recognize that. I recognize that feeling. I'm not living right. I'm not loving Jesus very large right now, but I recognize that feeling. That's what we're going for. So we have Family Sunday, so our kids are up here, but we also have a church of saints, men and women, family of God, with understanding that we go down there. Both. That's the secret plan. They come up here to be among us as we worship and sing and pray, and we go down there to be with them. That's the plan. They come to us, and we go to them. They come to us, and then on a Sunday, not a family Sunday, many of you go to them. A few years ago in 2019 BC, before COVID, right? 2019, we had like a year and a half where anybody speaking had a team. And for one Sunday every two months, I took a team. Joe and I did stuff. Tyler, Jeremy Lucas, I saw him back here. Jeremy and Kelsey were on my team. And we'd go down one Sunday, and that's when we started at a quarter till 10 and ran till noon, like it was a full two-hour deal. And we would be down there, and, and, and I did it, and Jeremy led one, he was a platform speaker. Arnick was up here doing music, so he didn't get to be in on that. Eric Diaz led one, Melinda led one. Delhi led one, like people that were up here leading, people that were in this pulpit, on this platform, went down there once a a month, once every two months. I was down there once every two months. Now, what do you think about that? I'm your pastor, I'm the speaker most often, and I'm going downstairs. Yay is right. Yay is right. You know, the, the goal of all that? I want. I remember when I was a kid and I looked at my pastor, I had some amazing men and women of God in my life. I have been very, very, very blessed to sit and listen to and be in their home and walk with them. Amazing, powerful men and women of God. And when they were in this pulpit, they looked like they were eight feet tall, 400 pounds. They were just huge. They were larger than life, almost untouchable to me. I looked at what they did and I thought, I cannot do that. And I have a very healthy ego, and I thought, I cannot do that. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to dismantle that. I'm trying to go for this day when the formula doesn't work the way we thought. I'm planning for that day. You can plan for it working 100%, but I'm planning for the day it doesn't. I'm planning for the moment or the offense or the hurt or the confusion or the disappointment or whatever's going on because I wanted them to I want them to see me appear. I'm not around Oliver very much. I see him on Sunday. I'm around Cohen four or five times a week. I put Cohen on my head. Like, and you just start down. 15 seconds later, there will be drool coming down my ear. Right? Like, like. That's just, I'm just around him. I, it's, he just, that's, we, I see him all the time, right? And because of that, I sat in a meeting the other day, and I heard him. He saw me, and here he started coming. Dun, 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 dun. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it means to be a face in someone's story. That's what that means. And so all of the big speakers, right, that are up here, that look so larger than life, that you sense the power of God that flows through them. I understand that, and I want to dismantle it, not not deny it, but I want to be able to get on a floor with somebody, and talk with them, and play with them. These little kids know me as Andy. Zoe does. Zoe's never called me Pastor Andy in her life. She's like, hey, Andy. Like, hey, Zoe. (laughs) Like, we're chilling, hey, Zoe. Hey, Andy. I love it. One time, Renee Record, her kids were downstairs, and John. We call John John the Beloved, her youngest. He was he was he was everywhere. John was everywhere, at all times. He was like he was omniscient, man, omnipotent. He was every place, all omnipresent. He was everywhere. And so one day he was just there on the floor. He was laying on the floor, and he looked up at me, and I just happened to be down there with my class lead, and I'm standing there. He goes, looks at me, goes, "You the boss of this place? <laughs> That's awesome!" He's at my feet. You're not going to be able to come up here and lay at my feet even as much as you might want to up here. But down there, are you hearing me? This isn't happen chance. This isn't accident. This is intentional. We know that we bring our children up here so they can be around the beauty and blessedness and godly space that this is. And powerful. Powerful. And we go down to them. I hope you're hearing me. We go down to them. And frankly, I love them being up here so much. It would be every Sunday for me. I was talking to Sharon a minute ago. I said, here's our new structure for students. We're going to have a leader. And then we've got three classes. We got like birth to 18 months, 18 months to three years. We're, we're having two nurseries over here because that's growing. That's awesome. And then we're going to have a pre-K and then K through 2, 3 through 5. So we got these three elementary age classes. It's going to have a leader and two people in each class, teams of seven. And if we have seven people, we'll have, one, we'll have one team. And if we have 21, we'll have three teams. And if we have 42, then you can go down one Sunday every two months with your team. But if we have seven, it doesn't bother me a bit that our kids are up here three Sundays in a row. That doesn't bother me at all. And Sharon said, yeah, we know, we know that. We, we know that you don't mind kids and noise because I so value them being exposed to this space. And as our church grows, we had 100 members every year. We had 100 members every year. I just looked at data this morning. We had 90 members in the last year. We had 100 members every year. As this church grows, I need you to join me in that secret plan more and more and more we go to them now. We go to them now so that they will come to us later. We go to them now. Intentionally put ourselves in their space. We go to them now so they'll come to us later. We stack the deck. That's what I just want us to do. have got to understand that opportunity, the magnitude of all that. Do you ever hope to be the one that prays with Cohen. Huh. Or, sit with, or sit with teenage Brynn when she fires her parents. Or be in the sanctuary and look over and see Oliver. And be drawn to Oliver. And not be creepy guy. Right? Praise the, I mean, he's, he's 11. He's like, praise the Lord, son. I'm here to pray for you. Ah! Like, I don't know you. Right? Be a face in their story. Intentionally be there for them so in the crisis moment, there's no warm-up. Let me, let me talk adult stuff right now because it's just as true. When you share your life with other people and you're sitting having coffee and they are telling you the hard parts of their life and you are close enough to walk with them, there is no catch-up There's no catch-up needed. I share an office with Dana. I meet with Dana and Ron all the time. If you were to come up and pray today, there's not like, hey, so what's been going on for you? Catch me up. No. We can immediately start praying. Immediately. I I will ask you. I'm not going to be presumptuous. I will say, hey, what do you want to pray about? And people have looked at me before, and they just say, They just do that. That's not even a yes or no. That's kind of like a this, you know? They do that, and I say, okay, and I start praying. Because I have been walking with them. I have the background story. There is no catch-up needed. Do you see how powerful that is? To be able to just be there. And then when you sense something across the room, I don't have to hesitate because it would be weird I'm a face in their story. Have you ever read The Shack or seen the movie? The the, the movie's a little different than the the book. It's pretty close. It's, It's really very, very close. There's one unique part, one unique license that they took in the movie that they didn't have in the book. And the movie opens with this child, Mac, this little guy, elementary age, you know, 10, 11 years old, 12, something like that being hurt by his father, beaten by his father, very aggressive, violent, physical abuse. And he runs to this neighbor's house. Now, that's not in the book. That's in the movie. He runs to this neighbor's house who happens to apparently be like an elementary teacher at his school or his elementary teacher or something like that. And they sit on the porch, and she offers him a piece of pie, and he's like, no, and she's like, it wasn't a suggestion, you know, something like that, right? Chip goes to your house and sits on your porch, right? That kind of a deal, right? When his tyrant father is telling him to pick up his socks or something. He runs to Peggy, right? That's what's going on. This kid is hurt, physically abused, beaten, and he needs to find a safe place, and it's just a few doors down, and it's his teacher. And she lets him sit there, and she talks with him, and she gives him a piece of pie and some lemonade, whatever, and he sits there with her. She's an African-American woman. It's Octavia Spencer in the movie. Did you watch the movie past that point? Did you hang in there? Who has the face of God for that child moving forward? The woman that was in the safe place I've taught school before. It could have been a a bald-headed white guy. It was an African-American woman. What is the important point there? Is that the face of God for Mac, the adult Mac, the adult man, the face of God was the face of the person in which he found solace and safety. I prayed for dads today. I prayed that your love would create a pathway for your children to feel the love of God and not block it. That it would be a pathway for them. The face of God was the face of that black woman. That one. To whom are you face? To whom? To whom are you, who are you that face for? Because we all need to be that, and we all have an opportunity for that. How, how great is the need? Really, how great is the need? The need is so great, and we are so able, and we're here, and we get it. And we're able to come alongside, not your highlight reel, but your struggle, your, your wisdom. You're coming alongside and loving them. There is a difference between me and Chip and Arnick and Chip. When Chip gets put in the back of the police car and it pulls up to the church, because I know the cop, and he's like, I'm gonna take you to your dad. And he sees my truck, but Deli and I went to lunch, and Arnick's here, and Arnick goes out and sees Chip in the back of the police car. Does anybody think the reaction might be different? Now, I appreciate that you think I'm going to be, well, bless you, my son, let's just pray about this, but I might not do that. I might go, what are you doing? And Arnick's like, hey, man, let's go get a, let's go, let's go to Dairy Queen. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. There's such a power. When you get fired as the manager of your kid's life, that's okay. Have people in their life. Personally, you ready for this? Bo Fagan knows stuff about my son I don't know. I guarantee you that. Joe Ford prays for him. Probably true, too. Brian Stewart, who usually sits over here. There's a guy in Milwaukee named Ehi Giwa mamarelli How about that? Ehizili Giwa Agbamarelli. We just call him Ahe. He's a Nigerian dude. He's in Milwaukee. There's a guy in Indianapolis named Devin Mickle, and Jeremy Lucas. He talks to them, not me. He goes to them. They pray with him. He hops on his bike. and says, I'm going to go hang out with whoever. Went to the basketball game yesterday, hung out with Jeremy. And we're walking out. Jeremy's not saying, hey, man, let's get together, Andy. He's saying, hey, Chip, let's get together. For which I thank you. Do you think that's accidental? No. Are we doing it perfectly? No, but that's why all these folks are in our life. That's why we're trying to do this. Because we love our kids just like you love your kids. And we want to be able to surround them and help them. Last week, you know, I offered the names of the parables, you know, that those could be more accurate, right? The parable of the sower is really probably more about the soil, and the prodigal son is really about this crazy, loving father, and we call this a baby dedication today, but it's really a, it's really a teenager, young adult, parent, auntie, grandparent, neighbor, pastor, dedication today. It's a dedication of all of us come alongside. Folks that were on prayer today. We have stations where people pray around the room. Come on up, aren't I? I'm going to encourage you to come up. There'll be someone up here and around the room, different spots to pray with you this morning. We're going to close out with some prayer today. Did you know that stack the deck, you know what it means? It means to arrange something so the results are unfair. To stack the deck means to arrange something so the results are unfair. I'd like to offer it to you like this. I'm not interested in leaving any of our kids to chance. You? I'm not interested in leaving any of our kids to just probabilities or chance. We have a loving Father. God, our Father. That prompts us have you ever been prompted to think about somebody pray for someone reach out to them give them a call someone did that to you and you're like oh my goodness I was just praying and someone came to you like we have those stories you don't have to be religious we have these stories of where our God intersects us and that is what I'm encouraging today where we arrange this thing so the results aren't actually fair (laughs) we stack the deck we show up Josh and Mindy lead connections, and lead student ministry right now. You should be blowing up their phone. (laughs) They should be the last one to leave for the next six weeks for people saying, hey, where do you need me? How can I help you? And here's what you need to say. How can I be a face in their story? You see, Joe... Connects with my son, but Joe's son, Isaac, there are times times Isaac's called me and sat with me and Joe wasn't there. That's how this works. It's the body ministering to the body. Someday our kids might walk away, but we are gonna pray and we are gonna hug and we are gonna love and we are gonna smile We are going to touch them, we are going to teach them, we're going to serve them, we're going to feed them, we're going to laugh with them, we're going to cry with them, we're going to sing with them, we're going to worship with them, and we are going to be there in their life so that they won't really have a fair chance of staying away too long. They may walk away, but the chances won't be very good they get to stay away. They may walk away. I certainly did, but the chances aren't very good that they're able to stay away because it isn't just us doing our human best. It's us praying and the spirit works on people. The spirit touches things in our lives that we can't touch, but God can touch. And then when he touches them and we're softened and there's an intersection and they come to us and we're right there, changes everything. Anybody with me? Are you with me for this? Are you with me to be intentional about being a face in their story? For our students, it'd be once every two months. We have 300 people that go to church here. We're talking about 40 or 50, once every two months. And then, how can you do things even with students on Sunday night when they meet in here and even just passing? Where you, they are seen does anybody have a testimony right now the adults does anybody have a testimony where somebody intersected with you they intersected with you you were in a rough spot you were in an I don't know kind of place I'm talking about when you were 12 10 15 17 in college somebody just came alongside they helped you intersected with you maybe for just a moment, or maybe they're still active in your life, but God put that thing together. I want to tell you, you have something to offer. You have something to offer. Cole, you have something to offer. Because you have a story that's different than my story. And whoever God intersects you with, yours will be the story they need to hear. Right. Rita, Ren, you've got babies, grandbabies. Somebody needs your story. 20 year old grandbabies, still grandbabies, right? And, and they need your story. Matt, Sharon, the walk that you have. Sometimes we feel so in, in, inadequate and unable, and, and, and frankly, many times we can just feel like God of all people, I'm not your guy. But let me just ask you this. Why would you say that? Would you say it because you have failure in your life? Would you say it because you have so many bruises and scars? Because those are the things that qualify you to make those connections. Those are the very things, the struggles and how you've had faith in those moments. Those are the very things that qualify you to make those connections. Arnica's gonna sing and we're gonna close out the day. Melinda's gonna come up in just a moment, but I know that folks carry things into this room today. I know you've carried things into this room. And I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity to pray with somebody. So it's 1130. If you have to go, thank you so, so much for being here today. Really, thank you so much. We made it a special day, a special day. And if you have to go, we don't wanna we don't wanna, we don't wanna keep you. You're you're so welcome to be here. You can take pictures. Hey, don't be out there. Get a picture with your family. This is going to be a moment for the next few minutes where you can come and pray with somebody. You bring stuff in that's heavy. You bring stuff in. God's talking to you right now about what's the next step here? What's the next thing? Where do I need to go? I'm open. Talk to me. Where do I need to be? So as he sings, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to actually, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to invite you to stand with me all over the room. I don't usually make you stand. But I'd just like you to stand and just open yourself a bit. Arnick's going to sing. Please, if you came here, especially if you came here with something heavy, let somebody pray with you today. You don't have to leave that way. And if God's talking to you about something, you're like, I know you're calling me. Now is the time to say yes to that. Because it cools off later. So now is the time to say yes. Father, we open this space to you. Let your spirit work and move among us. We thank you, Jesus, for your great grace. We thank you for our children. We thank you for our our teenagers and our babies and our grown kids and our family. We love you and really, really, really feel and know that you love us. Thank you for that. Go ahead, bro. Please come and pray. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You are living whole. Your prayer.